0: Back in the day, there were very few of us who were making enough money to live in an expensive place Mm -hmm. like New York. These days, there are lots of us making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, um, even even exceeding a million dollars a year in some cases. (laughs) Hey,
1: what's up you guys, my name is Miko Koschowski and welcome to episode 45 of That Remote Show where we hear from location independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. So before I dive into the official introduction for this episode, I do need to apologize because as you can notice, this episode is coming out at the end of the week when instead we normally publish episodes on Mondays and there are two main reasons for this change, both of which I think are pretty exciting. Um, I actually just returned from my two-month trip uh, living in Mexico. I'm back in Cincinnati at the moment, um, and I am now preparing to leave for Iceland in just 48 hours, which I'm super excited about. But as you can imagine, that travel really messed with my schedule. uh, And that is one of the reasons why it's coming out so late. So yes, you know, uh, unfortunately, the episode got pushed back to the end of the week, but I'm super stoked to go to Iceland uh, here in just a couple of days and to actually tell you guys what Iceland is like for digital nomads. Now, the other reason is the one that I'm really, really, really stoked about. And that is that thanks to your guys' support, this podcast is growing. And I have come to a point where I am not able to handle all parts of this all on my own. So I've been interviewing some potential people and have brought on two awesome people to the team to help with the podcast. Production and post production of this show. I'm super excited for this, and I spent the last week training and getting my new team prepped. And as you can imagine, all that work also cut into the time that I usually spend on this podcast and editing it. Uh, And so all that together pushed the publish date. But All that being said, I'm super excited to have a team behind me now helping me out with this podcast so that we can focus on elevating the interviews and your listening experience even more. So, again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much because this growth could not have been possible without you guys and your support. So, thank you so much and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys think about uh, how the episode how the episode, how the podcast changes, uh, hopefully for the better. Now, back to today's episode, I'm very excited because I feel like I've said I'm excited like 18 times in this introduction, but I really am pumped because for this interview, I'm joined by my friend Kate McCulley, the founder of AdventurousKate.com, which is a blog focused on teaching women how to travel solo safely. Now, this episode, you're going to notice that there's a little bit of echo in the background. That's because Kate and I uh, spent... uh, Two months together in Mexico. Uh, She was also living in Merida where I had been. So we got to hang out and we recorded this in person. And Kate started her blog, Adventurous Kate, over 10 years ago after she quit her job to travel Southeast Asia for six months. And the cool thing is that she actually never came back for that trip uh, and has now been to over 83 countries. And Kate has been recognized as one of the top 10 travel influencers by Forbes magazine. And in 2018, she was a Shorty Awards nominee for her um, work in covering travel in social media. So Kate is not just some random travel blogger. She's literally one of the top travel bloggers in the world. And and can definitely seem that way, but I wanted to have Kate on the show to talk about the realities of travel blogging as a profession and what it's actually like to be a travel blogger. So in this interview, you will hear Kate Kate's journey from working a corporate job in advertising to then traveling Southeast Asia for six months, how one blog post made her over $4,000 per month for many years and how all of that came crashing down and how she has now re-engineered her business based on that experience so that you can learn from that without going through the experience. You will also hear Kate's top tips for people just getting started as travel bloggers, what you can expect financially from the profession, and how to land those awe-inspiring press trips all over the world that we all see on Instagram and social media. So without further ado, guys, thank you so much again for all your support. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited to see where this podcast goes. And let's jump into this interview with today's guest, Kate mcculley from AdventurousKate.com. All right, well, Kate, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Great, thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's actually, um, can you come in a little bit closer? There you go. Yeah, you can scoot that up or like however is comfortable for you. But yeah, so this is, I was just telling you, we. Ha- I haven't done an in-person episode in a while. So thanks for being the guinea pig for an I, in-person episode.
0: I'm thrilled to be your Mexican guinea pig as the train <laughs> horns are raging outside and who knows what else is going yeah,
1: on. Yeah, have you... Do you guys get this at your place, too?
0: We don't get them at this time of day. We get them late at night. Like, every night at 10.30, my boyfriend's like, they're back. Yeah. And we get the, the late night trains. We
1: get it at about 10 as well. Yeah. But in the middle of the day, yeah, because it's like, it's right near here where the train comes by, and it's been a couple of times where I've had an episode, I'm like, shit, oh, it's a train. Yeah. You know, like, gotta be creative. Yeah. But yeah, so... To start off, you know, I wanted to have you on the episode on the show. Thank you so much for coming by, but I want to have you on to talk about, you know, blogging and your journey because you have an amazing website over at Adventurous Kate, right? Yes, that's the name. Um, But first, I thought we would chat a little bit about Merida, where we are both at right now. So what brought you to Merida in the first place?
0: Well, it was actually our friend Nathan who brought me here originally. Last year, I had an opportunity to go to a resort on the island of Holbosch And I figured, you know, make it a bigger trip. Nathan's living in Merida. Why not go check out Merida? Mm. Some of my blogger friends had been there before. They said it was really nice. So I did a few days in Holbosch, then took the bus to Merida. And I have really, really loved it. I mean, Mexico was amazing. You know that I've been in Mexico a bunch of times. But Merida is just a really nice place to live. And it seems like I'm always looking for those places that are really, really nice places to live, more so that are designed for people to visit for a few days and leave.
1: Yeah, no, Merida is, um, I've been like really impressed by it, to be honest. Like I didn't know what to expect when we were coming here. And it is, it's, a, it's just, that's a good way to describe it. It's a really nice place to live. It's really yeah. calm, but there's like fun stuff to do. It's like super, isn't it the safest city in Mexico?
0: By a lot of measures, it's the safest city in Mexico. The state we're in, Yucatan, is the safest city, is the safest state in all of the Mexican the states. The Yucatan is?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, good to know. Yeah, because everyone's always worried about safety in Mexico. Yes. And I I don't know if it's like, what do you think about that? Is it something that's worthwhile? Oh, this is worthwhile?
0: what I do for a living. I basically tell women places are a lot safer than the media would have you believe. And I think that in the United States, I think that Mexico gets it more inaccurately than any other country in the world. That Mexico is the most maligned country. The Middle East is the most maligned region. Mexico is so much nicer than people think it is. A lot of people think it's just cartels and beheadings and gun violence, but it is a beautiful place, a calm place, and all that drug violence happens in places where tourists would never go anywhere near.
1: And funny enough, like, I was speaking to Russo, our other friend here in Mexico, and he said that most of those areas that are actually, like, legitimately dangerous tend to be the ones that are, like, on the U.S.-Mexico border.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Juarez is one city that has had... um, you know, kind of a a bad history, but is starting to get a lot better lately. Yeah.
1: It is super safe. And the other thing that I would say though, for people that have maybe never been to Mexico or have only been to parts of Mexico that are like touristy, you know, with the hotels and that kind of stuff, is that you do need to get used to the difference of what places look like, right? So the thing that I talk about a lot is, uh, or that I've mentioned to people before is if you come to Eastern Europe, don't expect to see the same, like, don't expect to see, like, life in a place that, like, looks like the U.S., right? Like, we've had friends that come and they see the keys. you know, like the, like the Soviet block buildings. Yes. And if you take that and you put it in the U.S., it's like, oh, my God, this is, like, the most dangerous place in the world. But, no, that's just, like, what buildings in Eastern Europe look like, right? And in the same way that when you come to Mexico, sometimes I think, especially for Sarah and I, like I've never been to Latin America and like you see like some of like, I, you just need to get used to what places look like. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, do you no, agree I, with that?
0: No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that some people who might be a little more fearful about travel, a little more risk-averse, might come to Mexico and see in Merida, in the centro, the brightly colored buildings and the tiendas that are all have all of these things scrunched together in there and they're like oh are we in a bad neighborhood is this a bad place and they don't realize that and they don't realize that centro is actually really nice um really expensive by mexican standards and it's really a wonderful place to be you're in the good part right now
1: yeah no merida is um i'm really liking it i highly suggest people come check it out it's uh very like hipstery and like artsy and like i mean we've been you know thanks to nathan Um, We've been trying like every restaurant in the city, Nathan from uh, Foodie Flashbacker, who's got um, a blog filled with just everything to eat everywhere. So yeah, we've been checking out a lot of good restaurants. But I want to change directions a little bit and talk about your website here. And I wanna start off with the name, right? So it's Adventurous Kate.
0: Yes. Why
1: Adventurous Kate? Why not Travel Kate?
0: Well, I can tell you the genesis of that I had my first blog ever starting in fall 2002. Oh, wow. Yep, that's the truth. That's when I was a freshman at Fairfield University.
1: You're an OG. (laughs) Yeah,
0: totally. And back then I was using the platform DiaryX, diary-x.com. It was kind of, that was kind of around the live journal era, so to speak. And we didn't call them blogs. That word wasn't really used by the masses. We called them online diaries. I had, and actually, that one wasn't called Adventurous Kate, that was called, I just called it Chanteuse, because, you know, it means singer in French, and because I love French culture and I really love to sing, so that's kind of what it was all about. And for a couple years, I had that first very primitive blog where I detailed, like, All of the fights everybody on my floor was having with each other, who was hooking up with who, everything. It was like a gossip fest. And then randomly, Diary X's servers exploded or something. Everything was lost. It's kind of a blessing because I did write a lot of things (laughs) on there I wouldn't want shared today. And so I decided, you know, Diary X is over. Let's do something more secure. Let's move to Google Blogger. And so I'm like, you know, what am I like? Oh, I'm adventurous. Let's do Adventurous Kate. Mm-hmm. And so that started back then. That was probably my senior year, so that was early 2006 or so. And that, I had a blog on Blogger for a while. It was just personal. It was just for fun. Then I decided to move over to WordPress. I was katesadventures.wordpress.com for a while. And eventually, in late 2009, I decided I wanted to be more professional with a travel blog. And I really like my screen name, Adventurous Kate, which is pretty much what I used everywhere anyway. So why didn't I just call it Adventurous Kate? And I launched that 10 years ago this month. Oh,
1: wow. Well, happy mm-hmm. blog anniversary. Is that what we'd call that?
0: Thank you. My blog is getting ready for middle school oh. and should probably start using deodorant by My- now.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, um, why blogging though? Like, Why did you decide to write all of this stuff down anyways?
0: You know, Mitko, I can't not do this. That's the thing. It's so weird because there are so many people today who just started blogs because they wanted free travel or they wanted money or they wanted to build a network. For me, it's always about the writing. Mm. I love writing more than anything. I love travel more than anything. I love going to different places. I love educating people. I love changing perceptions. And honestly, I just feel like this is constantly bursting out of me. Mm. I can't not do it. I have to do it. It's, It's just there's an urgency to it.
1: So, was that something that you were studying in college, or...
0: I did major in creative writing in college.
1: Yeah. So, it was almost, like, already something... Because I feel the same way. Like, no matter what I'm doing, you know, this isn't my first time, like, creating content. I had, like other things that i worked on before that i'm almost kind of like ashamed to talk about because like i used to like you know do like some like write about like menswear and like the whole different like world but i like when whatever i've done not that like i'm ashamed to like write about menswear but like i'm saying is like if people end up finding that it'd be like whoa you know that's like not (laughs) the best stuff but i've always wanted to like like release things out there and like i've always wanted to like share my experiences and like that's like you know when like i release a podcast or i release a blog or like a video when i was a lot more active on youtube like i love like releasing and like seeing that what's out there was that kind of like similar for you was to kind of like like to like release it and like see what people how people react to it that they like it or was it just more of like you just want to write and kind of like talk about your experience
0: you know, on some level, I think that I'm a performer at mm-hmm. heart as well. And so I think it kind of plays into that as well, doing something creative for an audience, seeing how they react, mm-hmm. seeing how you can create more stuff that they love. I mean, I did mention briefly, I love to sing. I performed a lot. I did a lot of classical singing in college. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so singing has always been a very big thing. Um, before that, that was there was drama, performing in plays, all that. So I just feel like the blog really is an extension of that being creative, performing for an audience, doing something that'll leave people a little better than how they came in.
1: Yeah. When was the first time that you, cause now I'm trying to think about the first time that I heard the term blog or blogging. And I think it was, this is so stupid, but the first time I heard the term blog or blogging was from a Twix commercial. You know Twix, like the candy?
0: I love Twix. I live for Twix. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't remember that though.
1: Was it Twix where they would like, they had the whole line of commercials where they would do like, you know, like break a Twix and like have time to think about a situation. Do you Mm -hmm. remember they had like that whole series of, um, of commercials and they had one where the guy approached a girl at a party and said, hey, like, you know, do you want to come back to my place? And she was like, ah, "Like, what kind of a girl do you think I am? And he, like, stopped and, like, opened up, like, a Twix and, like, broke it and, like, <laughs> ate the Twix and, like, started thinking about stuff. And then he said, you know, I just thought that you'd be the sort of person who, like, you know, you know, you could come back and like we could blog about like our thoughts and opinions and blah, blah, blah. And She's like, oh, I love blogging. And they left and I was like, what the hell is blogging? Really? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's,
0: oh, well, we got to find that on YouTube. Yeah,
1: I'm sure we can find it somewhere. But when was your first time kind of like hearing about blogging um, and like why decide to work in this medium as opposed to like, you know, publishing something at your school newspaper or something like that?
0: That is so weird because by the time the word blog existed, I had already been doing it for years already. So it, it's kind of weird just writing for the for the world well also around the time that some of the very early travel blogs that are still running today once they started going around 2008 2009 at the time i was working for cheapflights.com and I was the first person ever to run their social media. Mm -hmm. I primarily worked on managing their paid search campaigns and stuff. But as soon as they're like, oh, social media is a thing. Kate's young. Let's give it to her. And so I started running that. And I started getting to know the big players in the travel industry, including a lot of the early bloggers, many of whom are still close friends with me to the day. I got to know them. We shared our thoughts back and forth. We were on Twitter all day because back in 2008, 2009, Twitter was it. Yeah. Instagram did not exist. Pinterest did not exist. And so, um, also at that time I started doing some freelance writing in Boston because I, where I was living at the time, because I wanted to make some extra money. I became a Boston nightlife writer because I was at the club every weekend. And then eventually I decided, you know what? These people have these blogs. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have one of the biggest travel blogs in the world.
1: So is that why you decided that you wanted to go or to write specifically about travel was because you were working for the flight company or was travel, the travel was always something you were interested in?
0: Travel is something I don't ever remember not being interested in travel. When I was little, I mean, I didn't travel overseas until I was 16, but when I was little, every single week in the library, I would check out a book about a different country.
1: Mm -hmm. So it was always like, what was that first time traveling? Where'd you go when you were 16?
0: I went to France. Oh, and okay. I stayed with a family in Normandy for two weeks. It was a school trip.
1: So what was that like? Like, you know, if it was something that was always ingrained in you, what was that first travel experience like?
0: Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I was always obsessed with French ever since mm-hmm. I was little. you know it's half my family heritage and um, big part of the culture, but loved the language. I loved immersing myself in everything. In two weeks, my French skills got so much better. And just and I fell in love with Paris, which is still one of my favorite cities to this day.
1: Have you ever seen the movie Midnight in Paris?
0: Uh, Yes, I have.
1: With Owen Wilson? Do you like it or not?
0: Well, I fucking hate Woody Allen.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. For me, that movie is... I understand why people don't like Woody Allen. I've, Mm -hmm. I've heard that thing, but I didn't... That movie is the reason why I quit college. Why I dropped out.
0: Seriously? Yeah,
1: no joke. Because... It was something about this guy who had this like passion, and he really wanted to like pursue it, but everything else was kind of like pushing him against it. And I was at the time trying to decide if I wanted to like pursue like kind of like a more of this sort of lifestyle. Or I was actually studying biotechnology, I believe. If wow. You know, yeah. So I kind of I was like I watched this movie, and I think I you know there may have been some like weed involved or some alcohol. And I was like <laughs> I'm done. You know what? This movie has inspired me to do that. So. Um, yeah. So to talk about building a travel blog, because now I think a lot of people understand how that works as a business, you know? Um, and it's not that uncommon to hear about travel bloggers or travel blogging, but how did you get started? Like you said that you wanted to have one of the biggest travel blogs, you know, how did you go on to do that?
0: I just started writing about all my old travel experiences and you know the good thing is because I had I had been blogging for so long I've been mm. blogging by, for more than seven years by then I already had my voice developed mm. as a creative writer I had my creative voice developed as well so I already knew how to engage people mm-hmm. and my writing style it's different from a lot of blogs it's very personable it's very conversational I try to put in a lot of humor whenever I can mm-hmm. so I had that already So I was taking that voice and I was adding it to my travel experiences, many of which happened during my semester abroad in college. I went to Florence for the semester, four of the best months of my life.
1: You spent all four in Florence?
0: Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And I also did a lot of travel throughout Europe.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Florence is a place that I haven't been to yet, unfortunately.
0: You Um, know, I finally went back this year, 15 years later it's uh, it's pretty rough, really I well, in one I, mean, way. I, well I mean rough I, by rough, I don't mean dangerous, but you know, it's always been one of the most touristy places in Italy. It's a small city geographically with a lot of tourists, especially in the city center, and just you're wading through crowds and crowds and crowds, and you're like, not one person here is a local,
1: yeah i I think I want to do another. Italy trip soon and definitely hit Venice because unfortunately I don't think Venice is going to be around for very long <laughs> so yeah. I'm like I need to get there but maybe that's a move that's good advice I think maybe to like go during like shoulder season so Absolutely, at least you miss you know well the you know peak. for
0: me my favorite time to visit Venice is in the winter Mm. Because everything is gray and gloomy. And honestly, I mean, everybody loves those bright blue sky pictures of Venice. But I think that gloomy weather is more suiting to Venice. You know, I, yeah. I just like how it's all muted and wet and you might be there for the flooding.
1: Right. So how did you, getting back to the blog, because I, I didn't know that you've been doing that for such a long time. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So how like what was your traffic like for example you know you said that you had been blogging for seven years before
0: oh i have honestly i could not tell you mm-hmm. but back then the atmosphere was very different it was more common to write long comments if you read something yeah today there's like n- almost no comments so well, most of them are from tour companies in india trying to do some link building which won't even work but it's but yeah like there was more of a community back then Um, There were a lot of girls in the Boston area who we just found each other because we all had blogs and we were friends. Were they
1: travel bloggers or just blogging about anything? No, just general bloggers. This was before Mm -hmm.
0: Adventurous Kate. And one of those girls who also blogged, she hired me to work for her at Cheap Flights. So that's what kind of got me out of my general marketing job and got me into something more specialized and eventually laid the groundwork for me to get into social media, for me to meet all of the travel blogging people, and then starting mine at the beginning of 2010.
1: So how did you, like, how did you make your first money then with the with the travel blog?
0: Well, back then, 2010, mm-hmm. text links. If you ask any blogger text how they were making... links? Ma- oh, yeah, text links. Ask any travel blogger how they were making money back in 2010, it was text links. Either on their own site, or they had a big network of sites where they sold text links.
1: So what are text links?
0: Basically, you, like, a company that wanted to rank for the Google search term, cheap flights to Paris, for mm-hmm. example, would they would have you put a link in one of your posts that said cheap flights to Paris and link to them. Oh, so like because a backlink. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Essentially. But, um, but targeted with the keywords so that it okay. helps them rise for that specific. So character.
1: essentially because your site was like older and was already getting some search traffic and stuff like that, like people would pay you to like backlink to them. Is well, that...
0: it wasn't older because when I started Adventurous Kate in early 2010, that was a brand new site. Oh, okay. This wasn't like the WordPress and blogger sites mm. I had been doing before, this was totally self-hosted mm. and all that.
1: So you weren't able to like, because you had been blogging for so long, I assumed that you just took that and like, yeah. Re, so it was brand new. It was okay. it was
0: different then though. I mean, people still try to sell links today, uh, but budgets are so different. Like I get all these emails all the time from people who like, I'll give you a link. I will pay you $40 for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and back in the day, you could make like 600, 800 easily.
1: Per link? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't at first. I mean, you know, it's a learning curve. Blogging is the wild west in a lot of ways. And it definitely was back then, too. Nobody knew what to charge. And so I think in the early days, I would get $50 here, $100 here. And I was like, Oh, I can make some money from this. Because back in the day, when I started early 2010, my goal was to be one of the biggest travel bloggers. It wasn't because I mean, it's not because I didn't want to make money. It's back then, nobody was making any money. I thought back then the only way to make money with a blog was to get a book deal or a TV deal. Mm. Yeah, cuz
1: I've heard Nomadic Matt also talk about that when he first started travel blogging, his goal was to like get like a like a like a travel book deal or like he wanted to like work for like Lonely Planet or something like that, so like that was his way of like showing that he could write. Was that kind of like what you were hoping to do as well?
0: not really for me the end goal was the blog Mm. i just loved it so much yeah and i wanted to keep doing it i mean i had no plans to leave my job and travel but that ended up coming in a bit after that
1: so how did okay so how did you then go from you know just kind of like selling links for a little bit and kind of just piecing things together like when did you when were you able to officially say like hey i'm a travel blogger now and kind of like quit your day job essentially
0: Well, I knew I was going to quit my job. Just a timeline here. It was February when I started the blog. And at the time, I I had recently switched jobs doing the same thing for a different company. As soon as I took the job, I knew it was a huge mistake. I I, I realized I hated what I was doing. Paid search traffic is horribly boring. And I was writing copy that said things like, want your teeth to not fall out of your face. Use fixident. it in. Yeah, yeah. And then making a teeny tweak and measuring and making a teeny tweak and measuring. And I don't know, maybe for some people, you know, it gets their rocks off doing mm. that. But for me, I found it horrifically boring. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe you could move to New York from Boston. That would be really cool. But I was like, I could transfer my job, but I hate this job. And at the time I was making $50,000 a year, like four years out of college. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, oh my God, but you'll never make $50,000 $50,000 a year in any other industry. You're going to have to go back to $36,000 mm. a year in a, a different industry. And of course, today I realize that's not true. It's not that you necessarily have to go back to an entry-level salary in if you happen to switch the focus of what you're doing for work. But I was terrified of it back then. And I just had this dream. i had had this dream for years of traveling the world alone for a year. I thought to myself, I don't have enough money to do that dream trip I had in mind, which was, you know, starting in New Zealand, then Australia, Mm. Southeast Asia, India, etc. But I realized, and I thought maybe I could go to Korea and teach for a year, but I had a wedding I had to be back for, and when you teach in Korea, they give you like very little vacation time. Mm. So I decided, well, you know, I do have enough money. I could save up enough money to travel somewhere cheap for six months, like Southeast Asia. And so that's what I did. I started saving like crazy. I took on extra freelance work, so much freelance work. The Boston nightlife writing kind of spiraled into a lot more. And I lived like a miser spending money on nothing. And after about, I think it was about seven and a half months of that, I had saved $13,000 and I, and I was going to work on up until like five days before I quit. But a month before I was planning on quitting that, just things were miserable at work. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I just picked up my stuff and I left.
1: So what did your friends and family think when you told them, hey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to leave for six months?
0: Well, I feel like my mom got it a little bit more because she too loves to travel. She backpacked Europe when she was 20 on her own. Um, My dad is a bit more of the you're supposed to do what's right kind of thing, get a job, earn money, take care of your family, et cetera. And one of the first things he said to me was, I, I thought he was gonna say, you're gonna ruin your career and it's not safe, but what he said was, you spend all your time in bars and you need a new set of friends. <laughs> I was like, why?
1: Because you were doing the, the, night, the night life, life right? The yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But but you know, my dad, you know, I, I knew he would kind of like explode, but then he'd be calm, so he was cool with it. And you know, now it's been a decade of this, my family's cool with it. They trust me. I did spend four years living in New York recently, and they really liked that because I was very close to my sister. I was a short bus ride away from them back in Boston. And and now, of course, here I am again on the road.
1: What advice do you have for people who are maybe just getting started? Because I think that this topic, the, the, the family, the friends, you know, like how... How exactly do you communicate to your family that, like, you're going to be okay? You know what I mean? Like, how did you go about that to a place where, like, maybe your your parents, like, your family and your friends weren't so concerned about you? Like, did you have any tactics when you talked to them or were you just kind of, like, hey, I'm gonna go do this. I don't really care if you're like not super pumped about this.
0: Well, it did mean a lot to me what my parents thought. Ultimately, I make my own choice, but I wanted them to be happy about it too. And one thing that was nice was that another girl who was a travel blogger, um, Lily Marshall from Around the World L, she was about a year ahead of me in time Mm. in terms of traveling around Southeast Asia. And she blogged every day. It was great. And I showed her blog to my parents saying, look, this girl's from Boston too. Mm. She's doing exactly what I'm planning on doing. So I used her as an example and that helped and that's what I like to do with my site Most of what I write about is solo female travel guides I show women how it's to stay safe while traveling anywhere in the world I break down what is true what is false What is the media pulling your leg and why you shouldn't listen to your crazy racist uncle Who says you will die if you go to jordan, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. so Okay, so you set off on this, you know journey mm-hmm. for six months mm-hmm. What was that like? You know, like, cause you, did you get rid of your apartment? Did you have an apartment then? Like, did you leave it all behind or did you have like a safe place, quote unquote, to like come back to if like shit broke loose?
0: Well, my sister and I had an apartment that we shared back then, but we both left it. She went to New York and I left, but I knew I could come back and stay with my parents if I need, if I needed to. So that was really nice.
1: And Um, so you went to Southeast Asia and for six months you traveled around and essentially like Mm -hmm. blogged, right? So what was all that like? That's kind of like your first experience of the what we now would call the digital nomad life, right? Yes. As you're traveling and like you're working. So what was that like? What was that initial experience like?
0: Well, it's funny. I remember the first blog post that I wrote when I was in Bangkok mm-hmm. and my first day there, and I was just so thrown. I didn't know how to write about something when I was in the middle of it.
1: Mm, you know, because you've been it writing so about things, things that, that were way in the past. In the past. I yeah. had had time
0: to reflect and I was like, "Uh, oh, what do I do? What do I do?" Right. But you know, it's funny. About 10 days or so into my trip, I landed in Chiang Mai. And Chiang Mai in 2010, that was one of the earliest big hubs of digital nomad life.
1: Is that why you went there or there was something else that drew you to Chiang Mai?
0: Well, I knew a lot of bloggers were living there. Okay. So I knew I was going to go there no matter what. And of course, it's easy. You land in Bangkok, then you go to Chiang Mai. If you're a broke backpacker, you take an overnight bus, which is horrific. Mm -hmm. And these days I take the 40 minute plane ride. Right,
1: right. So you get to Chiang Mai and how did that change or did that change kind of like your trajectory of what you wanted to do with your blog?
0: I do remember a friend of mine there, I was talking about how I wanted to write about solo female travel. My friend, Ryan, who runs a site called Pause the Moment, he lives in Mexico a lot too. He was like, you know, you should really do the solo female travel thing, nobody's doing that. And it's so funny in retrospect because everybody is doing that now. So that really solidified my decision that I was doing the right thing by writing about solo female travel in particular from an early date. Um, But also what struck me was the digital nomad lifestyle (gasps) So many people, the people in Chiang Mai, what blew me away is that they got together for lunch every day and they said, all right, we'll see you at dinner. And I was like, you get dinner together every day too? In Chiang Mai, super cheap. It's a lot cheaper to eat out than it is to cook at home. So everybody would meet up for lunch and have a really nice meal and then meet up for dinner and have a really nice meal and then go out for drinks and, you know, work a few hours in the morning, work a few hours in the afternoon. A lot of the people there made time for volunteering or teaching yoga. Um, They just made so much time for, you know, the things that are important.
1: Yeah I think that's one of the special things about Chiang Mai and like that's why I refer to it for example as like the freshman dorms of like digital nomads is like you <laughs> that's, know like that's very apt you know it's like when you get to college and I, I was at least long enough in college to know this one but like you know the freshman dorms is like the first like month or two everybody's doors open everybody like wants to like meet everyone mm-hmm. else but anywhere else it's not as easy to almost find your community like Chiang Mai I feel like is a little bit easier to find your community maybe mm-hmm. but to be honest I think I might be wrong on this one I want to hear what you think about this because I think that there's just so many digital nomads now in Chiang Mai that it's almost nobody gives a shit that you're there like I remember I oh, went oh it's to a, not special yeah not special like, by
0: a mile I anymore. went to a
1: coffee shop in Chiang Mai and they were like seven other white dudes working on their laptop which to me says like they're probably not from thailand you know yeah and i like almost try to like go strike up a conversation with one of them and he was just so uninterested by the fact that yeah. like i was there well in some other places like in merida here for example there's there's still a good community but there's not that big of a community yeah and it's almost like makes it easier to connect like what do you think about that
0: Well, I feel like Chiang Mai in 2010 is very different from Chiang Mai in 2020. Yeah. I feel like back in 2010 when I was there, at least with the travel bloggers I hung out with, nobody was really trying to build a structured business. They were Mm -hmm. just doing their blog and or they were living on the money they had saved from teaching abroad. A lot of them were doing that. Um, or they, you know, had projects they were working on. But these days, I feel like a lot of the Chiang Mai people are very, focused, focus, focus. Do this, do this, do this. This is how I build my business. I take my profits. I can live on 800 bucks a month here. So I will funnel the rest of my money into growing the business. Yeah. That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Dan Andrews from Tropical MBA has this um, thing that he says that I really like about, like, what a city whispers. And I think that's the, the Chiang Mai thing is, like, the whispers, like, like, hustle. You know what I mean? Like, get down, like like, work while one of the other big digital nomad hubs, like Bali, for example. Like, that whispers more, like, to me at least, it's like instagram and like you know like yoga and like look at my abs and like all this kind of stuff which is like a it's almost like a different type of business model that really flourishes in bali it's like if you want to be an instagram influencer or something Mm -hmm. like that bali is probably the place for you wow like if you want to like run your fba amazon business chiang mai is probably the place where you're gonna like see a lot of people yeah
0: well i think part of that is that chiang mai it's a nice place you can have a really great time there but it's not known for being like a Fun place. Yeah, And by fun, I mean like a Berlin fun. I mean, New York fun, you know, where you can always go out and party like crazy. And there's always stuff going on. Chiang Mai doesn't really have that essence so much. Mm. It's it's a good place to get your life simple. That's what I thought back in 2010. That's what I still think today.
1: Yeah, it's a good place to focus. Like, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of other things going on. Although, my favorite... The only restaurant I've ever, like, really talked about multiple times on this podcast... Is in Chiang Mai Which is Khao Soi Sai. Have you been there before? I don't
0: think I do oh, No I don't think God. I know that
1: It's also the only restaurant That I've ever had Like like dreams about And I've like Woken <laughs> up in the middle of the night Just like My mouth watering mm-hmm. It's the best Khao Soi mm-hmm. And it's so So good I highly recommend Anybody listening If you go to Chiang Mai Khao Soi Sai, It's absolutely phenomenal And I'll see friends of mine That are in Chiang Mai Right now Posting pictures And I just get so angry Because like I can't have it <laughs> So what happened at the, after like those six months of you traveling around, you know, like,
0: well, quite honestly, on that six month trip, I picked up an English boyfriend, which seems to be a habit of mine over the years. And I, yeah, cause went, your boyfriend
1: right now is English. I'm guessing it wasn't <laughs> the been same a couple, English boyfriend been, uh, there's been <laughs> okay. a bunch along
0: the way. <laughs> um, so I went home and, you know, my boyfriend was going to come visit me in a few weeks. And I was like, well, I can't get a job. Mm-hmm. No one's going to give me the time off. And I said, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good right now. I'm not quite breaking even, but I bet if I lived at home and hustled a bit more, I could. And where, and was, your,
1: where was your money coming from at that point? Was it the backlinks or?
0: Still links. Yes. And freelance writing had started to be a thing. You know, freelance writing for 75 bucks here and there. Yeah. There were those, yeah, I think in the early days, those were primarily it, was not really touching affiliates by that point, but, and honestly, that's how it was for a few years. I wasn't making much money. I was making enough to travel and get by, which for me was fine. I was very happy doing that, but then in 2014, it's so funny, I can tell you a story, in in 2014, I was in Boracay in the Philippines on Chinese New Year. And I remember from some of my friends have said that whatever happens to you on Lunar New Year ends up affecting your whole year. Okay. It's like a that, It's like a snake that eats its tail mm-hmm. like that. It's a cycle. And on that day, Chinese New Year, the power went out. And then I found out that my one stable gig that paid me $1,500 a month was suddenly gone after they said I was gonna be there for six months or longer. And I was like, oh my God, if I lose my money on Chinese New Year, how does this bode for the year? (laughs) But turns out that didn't happen. I wrote an affiliate-filled post with Bluehost called How to Start a Travel Blog. Mm. It ranked well. Back then, everybody was trying to start a travel blog. Got so much traffic, so many Bluehost signups. I was clearing at least $4,000 a month in Bluehost signups alone.
1: And that was in just from like one post?
0: One single post. Wow. And Bluehost raised my commission from $65... To $125. Yeah. So it just went way up. And at that point, of, of course, the money was great. And I was like, finally, <laughs> I did it. I got my money. And I decided to go to Central America. And I just like ballered out, had a great time, didn't worry about spending too much money because, you know, I always had more money. It was really great. And then at that point, I started being more affiliate focused mm. and it made a big difference.
1: I think that specifically that topic with that affiliate Mm. has, I've heard other people saying that that's like the one that popped for them. Like, I can't remember what his name is right off the top of my head, but it's another guy who was essentially wrote a very similar blog post about, you know, not about like travel blogging, but it was like about how to start a blog. And I think this was like even last year. And he said that it like literally went from like zero to like five figures a month just off of... Because Bluehost is just so good at converting and, like... Yeah. So, yeah, so...
0: I was at the point where Bluehost was sending me handwritten holiday cards. Ooh. (laughs) That's when you know you've made it. You know you've made made it it. with an affiliate when they do that.
1: And so how did you... So where did it go from there? I mean, I'm guessing Bluehost is not, you know...
0: Well, I will tell you what went from there, Midco. Every fucking blogger copied me. They copied the post. Everybody did this. I mean... Ugh, it was grotesque
1: so did you go from like did you have like three baller months and then afterwards people started like
0: no more like I had three baller years
1: off of still that one post yeah wow
0: and then it started trickling down and down and down and down and I always said to myself if I lose that blue host I'm fucked and then so I you weren't diversified it. um yeah no I was I was diversified yes but not enough mm. I was too reliant on that Bluehost and eventually I did lose it and of course that happened conveniently right after I moved to New York and everything was expensive yeah. and I was paying for an apartment all by myself for $2,100 a month. Um, but I was lucky because at that time media, I joined Mediavine display ads what's and Mediavine
1: for people that don't know it
0: is display ads a very popular display ad network most bloggers who have decent traffic use Mediavine and
1: it's mostly for like travel bloggers
0: though right no it isn't actually in the Mediavine group most of them are food bloggers
1: oh they have
0: some special tools and stuff that are food specific like recipe cards or whatever but yeah there is a good contingent of travel bloggers who are part of Mediavine but they have all kinds of bloggers and you on need
1: there. to have a certain amount of traffic right in order yep. to join Mediavine as an ad group
0: 25,000 sessions a month, which okay. is why that is what every little blogger is, is aiming for these days.
1: Oh, so that's like the, if you start a blog, that's like mm-hmm. the, like the, That's okay. the goal. 25,000 sessions.
0: Sessions, yes.
1: Per month. Okay, cool. So you, you were living in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, you lost your Bluehost, your magic post. Yep. And what happened then is like you, you joined Mediavine and you just started, like, how did you start diversifying and building that revenue back up? Because I think a lot of people will have that experience, right? Where like you get that first pop, you know, and you're like, oh man, I've made it, but like you haven't yet diversified to a place where like that's safe. And like, you're still really, there's a that danger of like, You know, just because your post is ranking really high right now doesn't mean it's going to be like ranking really high later. So I think this is something that a lot of people need to learn earlier, better than like sooner rather than later. So what did you do to diversify afterwards having gone through that experience? And what would you suggest that people who maybe have had that pop happen, but they know they're not diversified, like what can they do?
0: You have to be absolutely everywhere. You have to have all kinds of affiliates. In the travel industry um, a lot of us have seen like a little drop lately because people are freaking out over coronavirus right, sure. which in my opinion is not a reason to freak out about. No one's going right. to care about it at all in three months. Yeah. And so our like everything's down a little bit. Um. But in addition to search, you have to have traffic from other sources. Pinterest should really be used as a search engine. And mm-hmm. Pinterest, I barely know anything about it, so I have someone do that for me. And also an email list. Building out your email list is very, very, very important because mm-hmm. those are your most loyal readers. They're people who sign up to have you in their, inbo- in their inbox each day. So it's really important to cultivate traffic from multiple sources and to be able to pull income from multiple sources too. Another thing that I did around then, I mean, in the early years of blogging, all the money was in Europe. But just as I moved to New York, a lot more was moving over to the US. And what do
1: you mean by all the money was in Europe?
0: I mean, in the early days, only European tourism boards were the ones who were doing press trips. Later, when paid press trips started to happen, it was only happening in Europe. So it seemed like North America was always a little bit behind Europe. Mm. But once I moved back to the States, there finally started to be good money in campaigns.
1: So let's talk, because I think that this is, it's interesting that me having been in Merida, I've been around a lot of travel bloggers, which doesn't actually happen normally, because there's Mm -hmm. been a nice community of travel bloggers here. And you guys are always talking about press trips and press trips and press yeah. trips. So let's talk a little bit about that because I don't think a lot of people know about this because it does sound like a, a, a big focus, at least, of the business at the moment. So what are press trips and how does that fit into like your income? Not in terms of numbers specifically, but how exactly does that work? Like how do you get paid for press trips?
0: Well, in the early days, press trips were never paid. And for tra- traditional travel writers, they are never paid. Okay. The assumption is you go to experience it and then you write it for an outlet and your outlet pays you for the story. Oh, okay. But later, they're like uh, press trips often turn into paid campaigns where you have a list of deliverables that you do for a certain brand. Sometimes you will do this as part of a group. Usually like nine times out of 10, I do a campaign on my own. I prefer working solo. I have my own deliverables, X number of social media updates, X number of blog posts. Sometimes I sell my photography. Sometimes I do takeovers on their social media. Sometimes I serve as a host at their events. It's, I mean, it can take so many different forms, but basically what they're doing is paying you for advertising their brand on your site.
1: Okay. So it's essentially like, let's say a country, right? wants to mm-hmm. like step up, their like advertising. Yeah. They would then essentially like hire you and pay you to come check out their country. Yep. And then you would write a, like a blog post for that country mm-hmm. talking about, you know, how you liked it or whatever. And then they pay you for that.
0: Yeah. What happens if
1: they pay you to go to a place and you absolutely hate it?
0: Well, I always say to my brands that I work with that I have a right of reply policy. Mm-hmm. This is what journalists do, and this is what every travel blogger should do as well. I tell them in advance that if anything goes wrong, I'm going to let them know what the gist of it is going to be in my writing, and I will give them an opportunity to reply, mm. give them freedom to answer that if they would like, and if they have an answer, I print it. If they don't have an answer, say they didn't respond to request for comment.
1: Gotcha. So how do you get these... W- these sort of press trips because I think that sounds like pretty sweet, right? Like you get paid to go see new places.
0: I mean, you know, I always say travel blogging, it's not heart surgery and it's not coal mining, Okay. but that doesn't mean that it's not a lot of work and it doesn't mean that that work isn't valuable, you know? I mean, because press trips, they are a lot of work. They are exhausting. In fact, I think travel blogging in general is so hard because you have to spend all this time on money taking all these trips Mm -hmm. so you can credibly write about a place.
1: Yeah, no, I think I've done a a trip where I was actually like a tour leader, you know, for my friend's company Life Nomading, like we did a Bulgaria one and I was a tour leader there. And I think that might be a similar experience. I mean, you're not necessarily guiding people, but it's still like you're like, oh, there's like an agenda and I need to go to all these places yep. and or somebody else is leading you. And it's like. It like I needed like three days to recuperate afterwards. Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah, no, I totally to, like, believe that. I've led my own tours. I, I did the same thing. I locked myself in a room for three mm-hmm. days after.
1: So, if somebody's a travel blogger right now, like, or uh, aspiring to be, you know, a full time travel blogger, and this sounds, and this is something they want to go down, what do you need as a travel blogger in order for like one of these, like, um, in order for you to like be able to go on some of these press trips? Like, you know, like if I reach out to like the city of Georgia, I know that you've like done work with Georgia, but not the city of Georgia, the country of Georgia, right? Like- I didn't
0: work with the country directly. Okay. That was me working with J-Way Travel. Oh, okay. So So it was like a
1: proxy almost. But what what does your website need to have in terms of like traffic or like whatever in order for you to like be somebody that could work in this way?
0: Honestly, I have no clue whatsoever. It's still, you know, It's still the wild west Mm. in quite a few ways. I think the most important thing that you can do is put together a media kit that talks about who you are as a person. That doesn't necessarily rely on your numbers, but talks about who you are, what your values are, the kind of work you do, and what you can do for them.
1: Mm. And then what do you do with this media kit? Like, do you just put it on your website or do you send it out to people that you wanna potentially work with?
0: Personally, I don't cold pitch. I don't like doing it. A lot of people come to me at this Mm. point. But something that's really valuable is going to events, travel blogging conferences, media events, those sorts of things. One thing, like the reason why I actually flew back from Merida to New York for a few days is to go to this thing called IMM. Mm -hmm. And every year I get a few campaigns out of that. And right now I'm talking with some people I met there about doing some campaigns this year. And IMM is basically like speed networking, a full day of speed networking with different brands, um, with all the travel industry brands, and with all the media. So we meet with them, we talk about ideas, and they're like, all right, let's do it.
1: So you would essentially like go to some of these places and like there's like 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 different cities or different representatives of countries could be there and yes. you could show So okay, so you don't know necessarily but can you give any sort of like a guess or like an educated guess about like what a blogger would need to have in terms of traffic, for example, to be to be like to have a decent chance of getting one of these deals, because like if you're making like if you're only getting like a hundred visits per month, that's probably not gonna cut it. But at what point would you say like that's something that like people can can like consider as?
0: I would say a minimum of ten thousand uniques per month. Okay, that's a pretty low number, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are some people who can succeed on less than that because so much of it is luck mm-hmm. and personality. But I think that's pretty much a number to aim for before you start pitching. And I say, when you start, start small. The first comp that I ever got on my travel blog was when I was living in Boston. There's this place called the Colonnade Hotel that has a rooftop pool that's really nice to visit. And I pitched them and I asked if I could come and, visit the pool for a day. Oh, also, I totally called out sick from work when I did that. Yeah, so, so I, I pitched them and they came back and they were like, we'd like to offer two, a pass for you and for a friend. And I was like, oh my God, I get to bring a friend? And they brought us like free cocktails halfway through the day. And then they brought us some bruschetta. And I'm like, well, what is this? This is this is all crazy. Yeah. because I mean, honestly to them, it's pennies on the dollar. You feel like you're having this crazy expensive experience. To them, mm-mm, not so at all. So
1: do you suggest then that people almost like start with like free kind of like a trading, like, Hey, I'm going to do a blog post in exchange for like free accommodations or something like that. And exactly. Get or, up to that.
0: I wouldn't even start with accommodation. I would start with activities mm. because they tend to be a bit cheaper. They tend to be easy to write about and be very specific with the deliverables being like, this is what I want from you. And this is what I will provide to you in return Mm. and be flexible. Maybe they'll be interested in something else. Maybe they need more pictures for their website or something or for their social media. Mm -hmm. Oh, also get an agreement on photos. I see far too many bloggers give away their photos for like,
1: what do you mean? So you should keep the photos. What do you mean by that?
0: I mean, don't give companies, don't give multimillion dollar companies the rights to use your photos for free in exchange for a comp. That's something they should be paying you for.
1: Okay. So how does social media factor into all of this, right? Social media is like pretty important in terms of like travel. Like, do you need to have like, when you work with these brands, are they looking for some sort of like social media presence? Like, should people have a certain amount of followers, for example, on Instagram or
0: it's weird because a few years ago everybody was Instagram crazy mm-hmm. everybody was freaking out over if they didn't have enough Instagram followers and for me I had this long period where like for several years I just went up and up and up and up and up then when it came to a hundred thousand it started going down again and it's been hovering it's been like five years I've been hovering at just under a hundred thousand ever since
1: followers on Instagram yeah that's pretty that's pretty damn good oh thank you yeah it's
0: like 99.4k but you know it's a little (laughs) i don't honestly i I don't care about instagram i don't do a ton of effort i Mm. don't do that follow for follow shit or i don't use i only use like two hashtags if i use something i probably could have more if i wanted to but it's not really a priority
1: so that's not something that like brands are like really looking for anymore or
0: Honestly, I think the Instagram bubble is really going to burst yeah. down the line, particularly with people who are solely Instagram influencers. That mm-hmm. is a huge fucking mistake. Please do not do that. Do not be a sole Instagram influencer well that comes
1: back down to diversifying right yep. it's like you that building version.
0: you don't own it you're building you know. on borrowed land and mm-hmm. as soon as instagram does something with their algorithm again i mean i see people tearing their hair at the algorithm the algorithm mm. oh my god just have your own site and you never have to worry about an algorithm
1: yeah it's almost like the experience that you had with like the Bluehost post you know it's the kind yep. of the same thing like how long until you know you you know Instagram stops showing your pictures and like you know your Samsung ad isn't like actually like selling as much. If somebody's listening, kind of in wrapping up and they're interested in becoming a travel blogger, that's like what they want to do. They want to become a travel blogger and live the lifestyle that you live, being able to travel all over the world, get paid for it, writing about travel experiences. What would be like your top three tips
0: for them? Well, you need travel experience and you need writing experience. You can't just go out there, boom like that, and expect to be making money. It takes a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I get asked by high school students a lot, actually, and college students too. They're like, what should I do? I'm um, in high school. All I want to do is travel the world. I want to do what you do. I say, okay, is there any way for you to get a job at a restaurant? I'm like, why a restaurant? I said, well, if you're under 18, you probably can't serve tables with alcohol. Work at a restaurant that serves alcohol. Start by busing tables or hosting, and then move your way up once you get old enough to waiting tables. Waiting tables is really good work. You can make a lot of money really easily, and it keeps you occupied during social hours so you won't spend as much of your own money. Save money, save money, save money. Then go do a trip somewhere cheap. Mm. Go to Southeast Asia go to Central America, don't be strategic. These are your first travels. Do this to get experience. Write like crazy, write about everything. And your job is to get that creative muscle moving Mm -hmm. and developing that voice that will set you apart. And I always say it's so important to read. I mean, a lot of writers don't realize that they're like, oh, I'm a writer, but I don't really read much. It's like, are you kidding me? You've got to be reading. So it's also very important to consume a lot of content. Learn what's out there. Learn what you like and develop your style. I get that that's a very long way of giving you three chips, Mm -hmm. I guess.
1: So and what can people expect? And I know that that's a very difficult question, but... Going back to, you know, when you first got started and being able to walk up to your parents and show like another blog, you know, of somebody else who's already doing it. If somebody who wants to become a travel blogger wants to talk to their parents and say, hey, mom and dad, look at what's possible, right? Like, can you give any sort of rough outlines of like, hey, you know, it's going to take like two years of doing X, Y, and Z and like you can expect like this sort of money or like because I think that, like you said, it's the wild, wild west, and there's not a lot of information out there about this. So, what can you tell people? Like, what can you expect in two, three years of doing this?
0: Oof, that is a very tough question, because everyone's different. And here's something that people don't say enough: some people just aren't good at it. Mm. And everyone, especially when it comes to SEO, everyone's like, "But I'm doing this. I put in all the keywords, and I have the right, pagerank. page pagerank. Page Why am I saying pagerank? I." I You know, I have the right DA and all that. Why is it not working? It's, mm, your writing's not great. Mm. You know, that's the truth. Um, But let's say that all those things
1: being equal, like like you're a decent writer, you know, you're not being delusional. You work very hard. Yes.
0: You're doing enough travel to cover Mm. enough regions of the world. You're being strategic SEO wise. You're Mm. doing things that, you know, you might could move to make it on. I think if you work that hard, that within two years, you could end up making a living from it full time in, in cheap areas of the world.
1: Mm, so like we're talking like 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 or like? Sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm just throwing this number out yeah. here. I don't know. Because I mean,
1: but... you know, you obviously know that there's like huge, huge travel riders that are making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's the points guy who I'm pretty sure is worth like in the, like, multi-millions. Yeah, I
0: went to his gala. He made an announcement at his gala that he was going to match donations that night up to $150,000. Yeah, so the dude's was a like, ball. Oh, must yeah. be nice. Yeah. I mean, he also wore a blazer made out of Chase Sapphire preferred cards, so... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so he's, he's a baller. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, he's probably one... He's probably the one person who's making the most money from yeah. travel blogging at all. But, of course, his site was acquired by Expedia yeah, or something. Yeah. Is it Expedia? I'm not sure. So, I mean, a little different. Yeah, there are... I mean... Back in the day, there were very few of us who were making enough money to live in an expensive place mm. like New York. These days, there are lots of us making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, um, even even exceeding a million dollars a year mm. in some cases.
1: So is that like so that's not like totally outrageous? Say, is like making like a hundred thousand dollars from travel blogging. No, that's like... that's
0: not a, that's not outrageous at all.
1: Well. If you're listening to this and you're a high school kid, now's the time to go tell tell your parents, hey, you can make hundred thousand dollars travel blogging. You know, play them, <laughs> play them this uh, this episode, and then if it doesn't happen, you can just blame Kate. You know, so you know, just don't call me. <laughs> I accept
0: full responsibility.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, thank you so much for coming by. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, this has been an awesome episode and I think that travel blogging is something that a lot of people aspire to but there's not a lot of good voices talking about like what you can expect like how it's done you know what are the struggles you need to go through to do it so thank you so much for coming by and uh, talking about it.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah,
1: of course. And we're going to do another episode here coming up. So for us, it's going to be like right away, but...
0: Oh, can I say one other thing? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. And you can find my site at, oh, yeah. at adventurouskate.com. You can follow me on Instagram at adventurouskate. And just honestly type in adventurouskate. You'll find everything. It's my screen name on like everything.
1: Yeah. Get uh, get Kate up to 100,000. Come on. We, we can't let this. I know, like you know away.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, this podcast, give me the thing that's going to push you over. Yes. You're going to see it. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, so we're definitely going to do definitely go check out the website it's a great website i've read a lot of your stuff thank you um, and it's very well written you can definitely tell that you've been writing for a very long time so go go check it out follow her on instagram and then come back and check out this podcast again because we're actually going to do a travel guide to bacalar which is where we just came back from yeah so definitely stay tuned for that come back next week or in a couple days i don't know maybe i'll post this one like pretty quickly but yeah we're gonna do that one next so again thanks so much And uh, yeah, let's do this travel project.